What's up? We're live. Yep, we're live. What's up, guys? John Sintez here, Cutter Nation Podcast. Got a guy on here I'm really excited about. He's been doing some big-time training over in Colorado. But first, you know it's coming. Don't forget to check out, let's see, Brain Armor with their Focus Fix right here. I love this stuff. Drop it into some water right here. Great little different kind of pre-workout. Going to help the brain, help you focus and do some stuff. You can combine this with anything. Don't forget to grab your flush bands. These are awesome blood flow restrictive training. And then now we get the, the pretty part. Now, DJ, I know you've seen these, but you're getting a first look at them. Balma Bats. Appreciate Balma. We've been doing a lot of good stuff here with them. But you can check these guys out. I will be putting out. I have six, only six. I will be selling them. I'll be putting all the information out on that soon. But without further ado... Let's get this guy in here. DJ Edwards, owner of Push Perform. DJ, can you hear me? How you yes. doing? Good, man. How you doing? I can hear you great. Awesome. Awesome. I appreciate you coming on this morning. Um, how you doing? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me. It's a little cold here right now today. It's dropped down to like the 30s. Now it's supposed to be in the 60s by the end of the week. So, Dude, I thought over. I was freezing. I thought I was freezing over here in San Diego. You know, we woke up this morning, it's like 45 degrees. Yeah. You're <laughs> in Colorado, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm not just south of Denver. Right on, right on. So Push Perform is a facility that you own. What's the uh, what's the general mission there with, with what you're trying to do? Uh, essentially, just serve the underserved population of baseball players from development skill to weightlifting to, you know, knowledge of data and how to use that data collect data all that kind of fun stuff right on right on so you you're a you're a tech data guy you, you gotta put some I, lot of stuff in there i honestly just honestly we just adapted this within the last couple of months i mean we bought a lot of software last last year rapsodo a vbt unit um a lot of that stuff but we didn't really collect the data and the last couple of months honestly we just crushed it uh we Force profile guys on our velocity-based training. We got guys starting on getting whoop bands so we can monitor their readiness, their rest levels, their sleep. Um, got, you know, the Rapsodo pitch sequencing, uh, development, sorry, Rapsodo hitting for our hitting instructors. So it's, you know, it's a little bit of everything. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the Rapsodo. Uh, um, yeah, I'm this great. close to pulling the trigger on one and, and just the information that, that gets back to, you know, it's just, it's tremendous for, Anytime you can 3D map a pitch and and yeah. really get a lot of information out that's going to help you understand when you're trying to throw a slider or a cutter, if it's doing the thing that what your brain thinks it's doing. Or is your hand making the ball move and stuff like that? And a lot of people haven't really seen that. That's still kind yeah. of new, even though you and I have known, I've known about it for about a year now. Yeah. So, you yeah, know, we've had, it, we've had it for a year, a little over a year. Um, and, you know, we worked with our pro group last offseason on it. It was awesome. We had a couple guys turn around, literally turn around their careers and head to the fall league this year. That's um, awesome. And, you know, have a lot of success, really high numbers of strikeouts. We had a guy that was just traded in the middle of the season in the big leagues. And he, you know, as soon as I told him last offseason, his one season, his one seam wasn't very great based off the off the rap Soto. And his new team that acquired him actually told him the exact same thing. So he kind of bought into it and do it that way too. So it's pretty cool to see, you know, big league guys, minor league guys, college guys buy into that, that as well. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. You just said a great uh, term that you don't hear every day. One seam. So that's, <laughs> that's awesome. That's a, that's a great little thing right should, there. It should move a lot, but that, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that thing's not moving. <laughs> 
Uh, for you kids at home on my YouTube video, when I say how to throw my two seam, I sneak in how to throw the one seam uh, to everybody there. So um, check that out. Shameless plug. I'm not, I have zero shame. Uh, <laughs> so uh, let's go over your playing history. Um, you know, where are you from? Where'd you go to school? Where'd you play? Yep. Obviously you have a good, you know, good knowledge of pitching and baseball, but let's hear about it. I'm actually not a pitching guy. I'm a, uh, in middle infielder. So I grew up in Northern California. I was born in Mountain View. Um, moved to the Denver area just right before middle school area time. Um, went to high school out here. Went to a small JUCO in a, uh, called Lamar Community College. Uh, we were pretty dang good. We were 56 and 10 at the time. Ranked fourth in the nation. Lost in the Super Regionals to the team that eventually won it all. And then I went to Metro State University in downtown Denver. And then uh, moved to Vail, Colorado and did nothing with my life for a few years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, there is a weird thing when ball players like get done, get out. And there's like, well, what do I do now? Like, I've just done glorious. this thing. Yeah, glorious. I know. Ski bump. Yeah, there, there was there was a there was a time where when I got done with college and I broke my elbow, so I couldn't even throw. And so yeah. I was like trying to figure out what in the world I was going to do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just started slowly just started putting one foot in front of the other, started rehabbing, started working, started just like, you know what, might as well just see what can happen. Next thing yes, you know, sir. you know, I get all the way down to the Mexican big leagues and it's, it was yep. fun. So yep. it's cool. that's cool. So you're a middle infielder guy. You're, you're obviously familiar with pitching and pitches and stuff are there. Do you feel like you use that? So the pitching information that, you know, are yep. you able to translate that to, you know, flip flop it to the other side of what hitters can benefit from that information? Yeah. So, I mean, I have a pretty good staff, um, you know, and honestly, I learned a lot of my pitch design stuff from one of our guys. His name is Dylan Rowe. He's with the Giants. He's pitcher of the year last year with the Giants. He was like 87, 89 with the Orioles. Now he's shoot, I think 96 to 98 um, with a 0.3% spin efficiency on his slider, almost like a gyro spin slider. Jesus. Um, so yeah, he's pretty, he's pretty dirty, pretty nasty, but um, he's 6'10 also. Oh, so, well. And is he um, a left? Is he a lefty that also no, throws from three no, quarter like Randy Johnson? Sorry. No, that would, that would be dirty. That would be <laughs> yeah. dirty. But no, so I, I mean, honestly, I learned a lot. This is just recently, last offseason, I learned a lot of that stuff. My hitting was in, uh, my background was hitting. Um, I'm really fortunate enough to work with Chris Dunn with, with uh, high pro hitting. He's, you know, one of the top guys as well. He works with a lot of big leaguers. Um, so we bounce data back and forth all the time. So we just recently, like I said, bought the hitting rep Soto. So we're just kind of looking at spin and top spin. If the guy has top spin, if the guy's pulling off, what are like that? And then we'll just kind of see, all right, this guy's trying to attack you with X, you know, and you're trying to prevent it with Z. So, um, you know, my 99% of my background is in strength and conditioning, but I need to know, the hitting side and the throwing side as well, obviously, to benefit our athletes. I fully believe that every hitting guy, throwing guy, head coach, assistant coach should have a basis of uh, biomechanics and how what's being used in baseball just so you can – if the guy's having trouble with his front side, can't get out on his front side, we're going to really focus on, all right, his scat can't get around his thorax because his ribcage is flared or his, his anterior core stability sucks, so he can't transfer the, his, uh, his force, so he's losing velo. Or he's stuck in extension, he's trying to rotate it around extension, and he can't do that. So that's kind of something that we all three work together on. That's awesome. I mean, it sounds like you completely broke down the biomechanics of what anybody's deficiencies uh, are. <laughs> that's that's amazing. You know, that's yeah. one of the, you know, 
One of the funny things about pitching is, you know, you never know if it's mental. And I'm sure this is the same way of hitting, too. It could be mechanical. It could be mental. It could be Everything. the wind. It could be the wind, <laughs> you know, blowing yeah. in and, and just – affecting somebody not being successful successful or it even could be something as simple as their eyes you know that's yep. a lot yep. of the things that i run into with younger kids and guys whatever it's i think that recently we've lost the ability to understand what hand eye coordination actually is i tell people all the time i'm like the longer that you look at something the more likely you're going to throw at it so yep. try to keep your focus but that's just not a normal thought process because Little Johnny's been whipping his head everywhere to throw with dad in the backyard, you know, and so he yep. comes, you know, forgets what he's doing. Yeah. So that's that's a that's a great thing, man. I wish, you know, the regret list as as I get older, the regret list gets just so much higher because it's like, man, I wish I could have found a, a DJ or a Robbie Rowe or, or somebody that was so much smarter than I was just to teach me everything. Yep. You know what I mean? I mean? That's that's essentially why I started doing what I do. You know, like I there was a different way. I lost a lot. I gained a lot. Um, you know, there had to be a different way to train. Um, I obviously looked into, you know, guys that were previously doing it and, you know, how can I duplicate what they're doing? How can I give that to the guys in Colorado area and now nationally, um, a goal? Um, you know, so that's, you know, we, I just did dumbbell bench and bicep curls, you know, growing and, and back squats. So, you know, which is a great workout. I love that. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but. Hey, I'm with you. I'm, I'm guilty. I am guilty of that one, too. Yeah. But, then you know, there's more to it. Right. So, yeah, exactly. Essentially why I started and I'm really lucky. I get to work with one of my best friends every day and bounce ideas off of him and, um, you know, just kind of watch it grow. And we're moving into a new facility here in February. Um, you know, hopefully every, we just signed a lease the other day. So hopefully everything goes through and you know, just kind of keep on growing what we're doing. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Maybe in the future, when you get to your new place, we could do some kind of pitching hitting clinic. I have some be, crazy ideas. Um, when I went up to, uh, have you seen Joe Hansen's place or yep. have you seen anything yeah. about them? Yeah. I, last December, I went up there and did a clinic with him and we did an awesome, he did like a speaking clinic and I was the featured guy at the end. So he had like nice. three or four guys go ahead of me. And then what we did was really cool. I did my entire routine for his whole facility where oh, wow. I warmed up. I did all my mobilities. I did my plyo balls. I long tossed and then I pitched, but then I pitched to his guys. So I got up to like 88, 89 or something like that. But what was funny was like, I throw everything in the book on purpose because yep. if one, there's a couple things with that one, I want to know how to throw every pitch so if there's a kid that throws a splitter and i don't throw a splitter i want to be able to help him with it yep. i want to understand the mechanics and everything from there so we start off and it's a typical i'm going typical high school fast fast slow and i say this to them like about sequences and tunneling and all the fun stuff you know and i'm like all right i'm going to start off with you guys you don't know what's going to come but just know it's going to be fast fast slow and they were like huh what <laughs> i'm like you've never thought about sequences and and like generalities or ideas where it's just fast slow or fast yeah. fast slow or fast slow fast Instead and they were like yeah. they were like no and i'm like oh man hitting's easy like i <laughs> i used to crush hitting when i was high school and you know and they're like are you serious i'm like well no it's not that easy but if you know probabilities and percentages you're just playing poker up there and absolutely. just trying to figure out what you're doing you know absolutely trying to figure yeah. out when you can just push the square button that's all i was telling them. i was like you're just trying to figure out 
is this a good time to say square to the moon? That's all yep. you're trying to do, you know? Absolutely. Yep. So yep. It, it was pretty fun. You know, I ended up striking out a bunch of them. You know, I think I gave up like two hits and like 20 at bats or something like that. But, <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, Cutter Nation is, is, you know, I'm trying to throw anything I can to get you out. And a lot yep. of kids, I, a lot of kids I see and help me with this. Um, I don't see a lot of kids pitching to win a game i see them trying to throw strikes and i'm like what what are we doing here yeah you know, is that something more, that you deal with too yeah i see more guys trying to pitch not to fail right um i like to tell guys you know throw especially my high school guys man it's like throw the ball through the glove not to the catcher throw the ball you know i think roger clemens or somebody said that um or clayton kershaw i believe it was excuse me but somebody, somebody said that, and I, I it stuck, you know, like same thing on the hitting side, you know, get the barrel of the ball. It's, it's simple um, since hitting is so easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. You know, uh, you know, like just being more aggressive, you know, you control the game on the mound. You control the game at the plate, you know, knowing you prepared more than the other guy, you know, getting, getting outs, getting hits, you know, learning from failure. And, you know, that was my big downfall playing. I had tools. I just, I just didn't take adversity. Well, I didn't, take failure well i just you know i expect to get a hit every time when i hit um you all you know, do you yeah, all do exactly. every one of you guys <laughs> man i i feel like a little leaguer by walking down back to the dugout my head down crying <laughs> <laughs> yeah we you don't know? take it very well do we no. <laughs> no 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 but you know now it's like easy for me to say i'm not playing right so it's like yeah. all right you got out who cares you barreled the ball got out who cares you know or you threw a really good slider and he he got a hit or he took you deep who cares? Oh. There's nothing you can do about it. Story know? of my life. My entire life has been filled <laughs> with Texas leaguers and flares. Yeah. And that is just what has happened. You know, yep. I've come, I've come to the fact that I've come to a couple of years ago, I changed my entire pitching philosophy. It's funny that you said that too. My entire flip pitching philosophy flip flopped. And I'd say about really when my career started taking off, I completely changed everything that I was trying to do because I felt like it wasn't working. I was trying to pitch to contact and try to have efficient innings and do all this stuff. As soon as I changed to strike every person out I face forever, yeah. I immediately started dominating baseball games and yeah. then flares, choppers, and seeing eye singles seem seem to be the story of my life. You know, yeah. like recently I still throw. I you know I'm 32 years old. I can still go out and throw nine, 10, 12. I threw Last April, I threw 13 innings in a game. Now, didn't know it was thir the 13th inning. So there's that. You know, I'm playing down <laughs> in Tijuana, having fun. It's a championship series. You know, loser go home. Yeah. And all the t I tell the team knows, like I'm a I'm a guy that doesn't like to know my pitch count. I feel like it's unnecessary information. I don't need to know a number that doesn't mean anything because you're gonna freak out about yeah, it. Really, you're, the, really you're tired. You're tired. Exactly. That's my yeah. thing. Yeah. So they counted my pitches. I think I threw 178 pitches in 13 innings, but I was fine. And yeah. because, and that's one of the big things why I continue to teach what I teach, because if I'm 32, not, I wouldn't, you know how it is, like, especially with you training guys, like I figured out that I can't train and then work. It just doesn't, there's too much time required to get yourself to where you need to be. You know what I mean? Yeah, if I yeah. can get myself back to 95, 96, when I was at my best, I was spending all day doing it. And it's just, I, you know, after talking to the scouts, realizing what was going on, I'm actually okay with not chasing the dream anymore. But now, kind of like you, it's kind of turning into a new dream where it's really getting fun because I get to yeah. live vicariously through these kids. Yeah. I got a kid who just caught, who went to a tournament, 
texts me and he goes, five innings, eight strikeouts, 65 pitches. And I went, good for you, kid. Yeah. Good for you. Way to just go out and just one, Shove. two, three, sit down. Yeah. Shove. You know? Yeah. And then he yeah. goes, he then he took himself out of the game because he realized that he's the number one and he's probably gonna have to come back on Monday and he pitched on Friday. So oh, he's geez. like, he's like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna be smart here. We're in the fifth. I've thrown five innings, given up zero runs. We're up 10 to nothing. And then apparently the tournament's a showcase tournament, so there's no run rule, so they have to play the other innings. So he tells the coach, hey, um, <clears throat> let me uh, – I should just chill for these last two innings, save my pitches so I can come back on Monday. And the coach is like, oh, yeah, it's a good idea. It's a good idea. And he goes, okay, I'm going to go do my arm care. I'll be out here outside the dugout if you He's need running this show. Like, yeah, I'm like <laughs> – but that's where I've started to understand. And, and the question where I'm going into is, do you find that a lot more players are taking ownership of their career – Number one question. Number two, are you finding a lot more pushback from coaches that kids are doing this? <laughs> yeah, I was about to conclude that myself. Um, yeah, I mean, it, even at the pro level, you know, um, why? A, why did you draft me or why did you recruit me? Right. We see too many times, you know, I was talking to um, AD over at LSU the other day in his office. I was talking, you know, why did this kid get drafted and look at his pitching mechanics now? You know, what happened, right? So what, you know, he had a lot of success here and moderate success here. So, you know, we got to let – I firmly believe we got to let guys eat. We got to let guys go. We got to get let guys be athletic and let them control what they can control because we recruited them for a reason. You guys drafted them for a reason, whatever it may be. So I think, I think the players are starting to learn that but also pissing the coaches off at the same time. Yeah, um, totally you know, agree. And, you know, that just shows you, A, you should have more, done more research in the program you signed to, or B, you know, your agent or your advisor should have done a little more research to the team that drafted you. Obviously, sometimes you can't help it, but, you know, when they call on your fourth overall, um, that's pretty tough to turn down. So, um, you know, I see that a lot. Our high school level guys, especially, um, you, have, you know, guy, coaches in high school, travel ball teams, some, some of them, not all of them, are, uh, you know, stuck in – 1992 right and just the way the way things were even early 2000 mid 2000s so um the game's way different you need to you need to adapt to it or you're going to be out of the game so uh taking a lot of initiative and educating those kids without pissing people off is the hardest part <laughs> for yeah, me dude. i deal with the same thing like what yeah so how do you how do you deal with that when you know you know that like i you op, there's the easy one where it's like you just say yes sir and just hit yep. the ball off the wall and no one's going to say anything that's yep. the easy one yeah yep. the hard one is when the coach really is like adamant about the the way the kid is doing something wrong you know yep. and and that's kind of something you know in, in the throwing world i think the throwing world is 10 times more complicated than the hitting world because there's so many different ways that people throw. But I don't think that there's a lot like these 1992 coaches are accepting the fact that there are more than one way to throw a baseball. Yeah. You know I, what I, I mean? The other day or last night, I had a kid's dad, a kid's going to Virginia as a, as a hitter, probably might be a two-way player. And his dad's like, Hey, he's falling off the mound. He needs to stay online more. I'm like, no, like, look at any any high level thrower. They don't land in a fielding position. You know, <laughs> this is it's, it's a joke. Like he's he's falling off first base. Like, okay, good. I want him to. You know, um, so you know, it's just 
yeah just ask like him that. how just ask the dad how long is this axis of rotation what yeah. in that in that important dad yeah. and then he'll be like Instead what staying online like <laughs> yeah. really like what yeah. what does that even mean oh you let's know? let's get into that because i love <laughs> all of those fallacies all of the myths the glove tucks the finish square <laughs> the Fielding in a fielding position, like I'm just, I, you know, there's so many. If you follow, I mean, I, you probably follow my Insta story a little bit, but we're outside yeah. of baseball season. But inside baseball season, I'm constantly going, "Oh, weird! Somebody throwing 99 who doesn't stop rotating." Uh, let me <laughs> yeah. just repost. Let me put yeah. this in here. Let everybody yeah. enjoy it. You know, yeah. yeah. And that's that's what like it kind of bothers me, and I, and I have a feeling we're on the same page. But help me out with this. Is it safe to say that we don't teach the game? or we as a group, there's some of us that do, but we don't teach the game as a, what we see on TV. We teach, you know, we teach the game as a group. And I know it sounds like you and I don't, but as, as a whole, what is yeah. the information that's being put out? I feel like there's some janky Tommy Mansky video in the depths of some archive of the little league baseball area that are teaching these kids how to swing, how to run, how to throw. And for one, Maybe we should keep it that way. It keeps me in business. But number two, it just like <laughs> hurts my brain when I just see yeah. people do stuff. And I'm like, what are that, you doing? And that's, I mean, essentially my job, truthfully, like owning. <sighs> oh, hold on one second. I'm sure oh. he got a, there, you there good? You go. Yeah. Yep. Did you get a phone owning, call? Yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Owning, all good. Owning, a, owning a strength and conditioning business, right? Um, my biggest thing is teaching kids to be as athletic as possible. And if you're listening to a coach that doesn't have your feels, doesn't know what you're feeling, doesn't know what you're, how your body's moving, you know, that's the hard part, right? So I, I define athleticism as controlling your body in, in space, you know, being able to control your body, but being able to put, you know, have output. So if you're reading a book or if you're listening to 30 different coaches, your, your mind is going to be, you know, going crazy, right? So teaching athleticism and letting them be athletic, just like, a lot of guys say, you know, out in the down in the Dominican Republic, those guys throw the ball as hard as they can, as far as they can, run as hard as they can, swing as hard as they can. That's it, you know. So, every day, every, every day, day, every day. I was day. when I was down in Mexico, I got to go to the academy, which is pretty much equivalent to what they do over there. Yeah. And I watched kids the two days in a row throw bullpens. Now yep. they didn't put the same effort in as far as how hard they were trying to throw, but they came in. They did. They, they they were professional twelve year olds. That was the yep. crazy thing. Yeah. They they knew how to act. They got in. There was zero. They had a little stretching circle fun, you know. Uh, but good when they got down to business, it was they were doing all their stuff. They were doing right. Yep. They were throwing. There was there was no. There was really a very loose environment of having fun, training, and throwing. There was no, it was very there was no, no over control, right? Exactly. There was like yeah. it was it was they. You could tell that they knew what they, they had a plan that someone had told them about yeah. long toss, and then you could tell that they had already had the plan on how their lines were organized of who was rotating into the pen. It was very yeah. it was structured, but it wasn't like you were saying. Like yeah. they could tell when they got to the last ten pitches, the guys that were coaching the other you know everybody were, were, would yell over to the next two guys hey you're getting ready to come get over here get ready and then they would and, and in the meantime the other guys would be rotating through on times so everything was very efficient it was very nice to see like okay yeah all right what in is in my head is actually what you guys do do okay yep. that makes sense you know what yep. i mean yep absolutely cool so 
All right. So it sounds like we should totally be working together. We'll figure that out later. <laughs> um, so let's go back to this LSU thing, because I don't know if you know this, but I'm actually from Florida. I'm from Destin, oh, nice. Florida, which is okay. like five hours from Baton Rouge. And I grew up in the South, so I know all about that stuff. Nice. Um, you know, I actually knew that uh, Odell Beckham Jr. as a freshman started in center field for LSU, but not a lot of people knew that. That only happened one year. And then yeah. LSU football went, hey, bro. You're going to be in the NFL. Maybe you should just chill and train. And he's like, okay. Um, so going down to LSU, what was that like? Like, I've been through the facilities, but how was your experience? It was great. I got to work with the entire baseball team. I got to rehab a couple guys. Um, you know, Corey, their ATC, you know, let me, you know, invited me in. And Travis, their strength guy, Travis Roy is awesome. Um, you know, we just kind of bounce ideas off each other for the week and, taught him my assessment process. I actually did a full bot, full assessment, hundred percent assessment for an hour and a half on one of my guys that lives down there now, um, who does remote stuff with us, um, who went to LSU. So he got to watch that and just kind of answered questions and just, uh, you know, talked about the importance of different things that guys aren't seeing, you know, tested, the. Uh, the 10 yard, the 10 yard sprint times with their pitchers and how it correlated to the throwing velocity, which I'm still stuck in the middle with. Cause I see it sometimes. I don't see it sometimes. Yeah. So, I'm with you on that one. You know, I'm with you on that one. Especially not, they had guys throwing 97, like four or five guys throwing 97, right. Maxing 97 and their sprint times are one nine or, or, or around there. So, um, what's, yeah. what's a good sprint time? Uh, elite elite is like a, in the, in the 1.5, high fives um that's super elite i have one guy who does that he's um a center fielder in the Rays organization he's really you know probably one of the most athletic guys i have then i have a couple pitchers that have run one fives but they, and they throw hard so i was like all right maybe there's something to this right yeah my pitchers my pitchers actually blew away my position players in this 10 yard sprint right um, so I was like, what the heck? So I got with Travis and I was like, Hey man, I know that you guys have an elite staff. Let's, let's do this study together. And he, you know, so Friday morning at 6am, we tested the entire staff and got all their times and I didn't see a correlation at all with them. So, <laughs> so I, my brain's all over the place, but that's, um, that's cool though. I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's great that you're able to like come up with a, a hypothesis, a theory, yeah. and then, and then be like, you know what? I actually have an opportunity for yeah. some very high level athletes to work yeah. with. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm only about a year in over in San Diego. So I, I know that the process is going to take a little bit for, and I'm just now starting to get some very cool athletes that I can't yeah. talk about, but it's yeah. kind of fun. You know, you know how it is when you get those high level guys and you're like, okay, this is, this is going to be fun right here for what we're trying to do. But I know exactly, you know, that's a, that's a debate about athleticism with pitchers with, you see, you know, I'm going to be sensitive uh, on what I'm going to say here. You know, it's either team red or team blue, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. you got one thing or the other, and you and it's see. The, and it's the pitcher, too, right? Yeah, pitch, exactly. So most of the uh -huh. times, the pitch, like, I don't need to do agility. I don't need to do sprints. I don't need to do this. Yeah. And then the other, the other half of pitchers are like, hey, I need to sprint. I need to open it up a little bit. I need to do some agility stuff. I yeah. need to feel athletic, you know? So yeah. half, my guys, half yeah. my guys are like, build me an athletic program for on the, for on the field in between starts, you know, and other guys are like, I'm just going to go lift. So, exactly. yeah, you know, a lot of guys are not, I hate the saying stuck in their ways, but in their beliefs and, yeah. you know, you just kind of got to go along with that. But yeah, well, and you know what, with, I, I'll make a comment on that being a guy who's kind of 
tried everything, you know what I mean? Like basically going from a broken arm to 96 is a different thing, you know? Yeah. And, and, um, I, I really did everything that I could. Like, I was like, okay, lift heavy. Let's see how lift heavy went. Lift heavy yeah. went great. And then it was lift. What we, what the term was co- what was told to me was medium plus, and then try to do it five to six days a week. That also worked. Okay. And then it was like, okay, become more laterally agile and work on your rotational speed. Okay. That worked. And then it seemed like now I've got this list of a hundred different things that I have yeah. to do. And now you got to pick through and figure out what well, you're trying to do with it. You know, that's what I tell my guys too. You know, I've heard Cressy or somebody say, say an analogy similar to this. It's like, Hey, all right. So you did a deadlift, a squat, a bench press. You stood on your head, you ate pizza, you know, you ate ice cream, you streaked through the quad naked. Yeah. What made you throw harder? Yeah. We don't know. Right? Yeah, exactly. Could have, been, yeah. could have been the handstand. You know what I mean? So we don't, we don't know the true meaning of it. And I think that's where, my staff and I are getting to the point where it's like, all right, let's figure out, is there a correlation between guys that lift heavy? Is there a correlation between body weight? Is there a correlation between 10 yard sprint time? We're just trying to measure as much different things, as many different things as we possibly yeah. can to put out something, yeah. develop some kind of system. Obviously you get stronger. Mass equals gas. We realize that, right? The average weight of guys throwing 95 plus is like 215 or whatever in the big leagues. Um, but what is their sprint time? So like I have a kid that's 184 pounds throwing 97. Yeah. You know, why, why is he throwing 97? Because he's athletic. He's super yeah. athletic, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So there's a correlation between weight. There's a correlation between uh, sprint time. There's something going on. We just need to break it down and figure out yeah. why, why that's happening. Totally. Yeah. Totally agree. That's, that's tremendous. I, uh, <clears throat> we, you know, the, the mystery of that is, is very interesting. And, and, you know, one thing that I can definitely just put on my, I, you know, myself, my standing, my belief in throwing, everything that I did, and then what I see the people who are successful, the amount of throwing that these people do all year, forever. Like, I haven't stopped throwing in 10 years on pure fear that I, my arm will get tight again yeah. and then I won't be able to throw. Yeah, it's so where we like, take the sub-maximal approach too, right? I love sub-max throwing. People yeah. don't realize that. We, I mean, we radar gun our guys even on sub-max playing catch, I'm, I'm with right? you, yeah. I call so, it a 20% day, yeah. Exactly. 20, 20, but, 50, 100, yep. And then if you if you don't have the radar gun on you, how do you know you're at 20%? How do yeah. you know you're at 50%, right? Yeah. You know, the guy's throwing, playing catch at 80, 88 miles an hour. That's not a 50, 70% yep. day. You mm-hmm. know, that's – that's close to max effort. Even if yep. he's throwing, if he, if he throws 94, yep. you know? So, um, you know, just, ma- just monitoring that is super important. I know this is going completely off schedule here, but no, whatever. no, yeah, um, no, no, no. We're good. We're good. You know, We're good. I'm so with you. it's, you know, it's like, I, I want to, you know, I was talking to our throwing guys like, Hey, you know, let, let's put the gun on them. We have a pocket radar. We got a jugs gun or a the stalker gun. We got all that stuff. It's like, let's use it, you know, not just for bullpens, not just for, you know, just showing guys how hard they throw, but let's just use it to monitor their perceived exertion. And it's been good. You know, we knock on wood. We haven't had any arm issues. We haven't had any arm injuries, um, even with the weighted balls, even with all that stuff. So, guys, Oh, no, he said it. Oh, no, he said it. He did the weighted balls. <laughs> guys, guys are yeah. getting strong. You know, guys are getting stronger. We got to make sure they – they're strong enough to throw a weighted ball and, you know, and work on the sub-maximal throwing before they get to max intent and on-ramp them and do everything the right way. Yeah. You know? Okay. So I'll take the weighted ball 
transition right there. I honestly believe that weighted balls are a tool to teach you how to throw pain-free and with a loose arm. Yeah, it's arm conditioning, uh, I believe, yeah. right? Yeah. No, I'm not even saying arm conditioning. I'm saying yeah. the actual patterning oh, of the, the looseness, patterning. the looseness of the arm. And I yeah. get crap from people all the time because I got seven-year-olds doing a one-pound weighted ball throw at low intensity. And then yeah. what when what I'm trying to get this kid to feel, and I'll explain this, you know, for you no know, people that haven't heard me say it, but I say it all the time. Really, what I'm trying to do is this baseball is too light in your hand for you to even know where it is, especially yeah. when you're really trying to throw hard. So if I put something even just a little bit heavier, you know, like maybe a seven, a seven is is we all I throw I have our guys throw sevens all the time because even with me or for the kids, that seven to five ounce, you can't really tell a difference with a plyo ball what the weight is. It's just yep. maybe because when you hold it, it's a little squishy or whatever, but it feels the same to everybody. But if I put a hard seven ounce ball, they can definitely tell a difference when they're throwing it. And you know what I mean? Puts, and that puts them into a better arm path too. Yeah, Nat exactly. Natu naturally, right? So <clears> naturally. They're going to find, them, gonna find the most efficient way to throw that. Exactly. Right? But at the same time, I've also had a high school kid come to me because he stretch fractured his, his uh, arm and is because he literally just picked up the ball as his high school coach had him throw long toss with a, with a weighted implement. That was way too heavy for him, and he's never. He's not. He, well, he couldn't even do a push up. Couldn't do a squat. Couldn't do. Yeah. Anything. What are you doing? What are you doing? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I mean, there's there's precursors to it. Like you got to be able to, you know, perform certain X Y Z before you can throw yeah. a baseball or even a baseball. Right. Yeah. Baseball's yeah. Still, baseball's weighted. It's five ounces. Yeah. You know, so people don't understand the percentages of the you know the overload and underloader minute. You know. Yeah. So it's not like you're taking a six pound ball and throwing it. Yeah, exactly. And like, well, I'll take that overload, underload. I'm a guy that when I did the underload, four ounce, three ounce balls, it didn't feel good. I yep. I couldn't repeat the arm mechanic of what I wanted to do. The yep. ball didn't go where I want to, even though it was faster, but I couldn't do it without feeling some kind of stress. And yep. a lot of the guys that I worked with, even just four ounces to five ounces, same thing. And so there's some guys that I work with that can do a three, four ounce throw, but most of the guys we go heavier, especially with our warmups and stuff there for the confidence of the proprioception of what we're trying to do with the body. So we can repeat the arm path, the hand positioning, everything we can as, as often as possible. Really? Yep. You know what yep. I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah. So that, that's great. It sounds like I said, once again, we should be working together. Go figure. <laughs> you know, weird that whole, I was thinking about this yesterday, like after the whole conversations that we were having a little chat group that we have, if all of us worked in the same facility, could you um, imagine the unreal. absolute monsters that would come out of there? <laughs> It'd be awesome. Like, yeah. It, so every many day, people would hate us. It'd be oh great. my God. It, <laughs> like it, everybody would hate us. We would go live every day on rotations and then oh, yeah. all of us would be in the middle of it in the, you yep. know, right there, you know, yep. and that's yep. one of the things that the place that I'm at right now, hopefully we've got some plans to try to do some expansions. The guys that I'm working with there, it's more of a gym, gym, kind of like what you're talking about, but I'm the only sports baseball guy. And then there's another speed and strength coach and then another strength coach, which makes it very, very nice for what we're doing, you know, like yep, there's no, yep. there's no interference in anybody. Yep. It's very yep. nice, you know, yep. and even the pro guys that the speed coach has that they're seeing me do some throwing and stuff like that. And you can see that their, their heads are starting to turn. They're starting to like peak. Hey, what are you doing over here? What, what's yep. this? You're throwing into the wall. What's that? You know, and yeah. it's, 
what what and I'm gonna ask you this question too. I think it's very fun. Do you notice a difference between an affiliated mindset and an independent guy mindset? Affiliated as in like a strength guy? No, like as in or- a skill is a skill. Let's say, let's say a pitcher, let's say two pitchers, right? Okay. You have one's a, in, you have a, one's with, one's with the, the one's Padres. affiliated. Yeah. We'll yep. say one's affiliated. Okay. One's an indie ball guy. Okay. What do you see the differences of these two guys, either mental approach or everything? I work with both, man. I, it depends on the guy. I know it's probably not the guy that what you wanted to hear. I don't know. No, um, no, I'm not. I'm just asking you because I have an idea about something. I mean, I and, have, I mean, I have plenty of guys that played indie ball that now are affiliated and they have the same mindset, right? I have a, a guy now that you would have no idea he's an indie ball guy and he takes it like he's in the big leagues. Um, you know, he's work, he works his butt off. Um, I, I think the indie ball guys are more apt to trying different things just to get to that, you know, next stage with the affiliated ball stuff. Yeah. But you know, at the same time, if you're in the minor leagues, you're still in the same position as the indie ball guy. Right. Yeah. So I think if you're in the minor leagues and then in the big leagues, I think it's two different things versus affiliated in indie ball, honestly, yeah. because you still haven't made it. You know, you might be with an organization, but, you know, you're still getting paid essentially the same amount of money as the indie ball guy or you have, you know, there's I don't know. I, I think it, it depends on the guy. Truly, truly depends on the guy. Yeah. Oh, where I was going with that was that. I feel like the structure of the affiliated guy and the I find it the other way that most affiliated guys that are still affiliated when they when we have a conversation or we talk about certain stuff, it always turns into the same thing. It's like they're pulling the reins back on what they're trying to do. It's like, well, in our program, we do this, this and this. And then I say, okay, well, did that work for you? Did is the, did that program even work, or did you lose velo? Did you lose control? Did yeah? Or 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 if and there's some guys that it did. But on the flip side, on the indie indie guys, I see them. What hey, what can I do? What yeah. can I make? Can I make this better? Can I make that better? Is there a is there a way, or should I be working on? Like, there's just a lot more. I just see so much more um, um, aggressive, at, you know, questioning of like, what the hell have I been doing, you know, with everything? And I actually kind of have that same situation going on right now where I'm affiliated guy, started working with, and then I'm just asking him basic questions. Like you mentioned yeah. strikeouts earlier. I think strikeouts are just absolutely the most underrated thing for what we talk about. Like as yeah. far as understanding what real domination is and especially with pitchers, you know, uh, it's one of my favorite things to go over and say, all right, we'll do this real quick. Who makes the most money in the big leagues? Guys that strike people out. Perfect. <laughs> you win. You, all right, you win. Right? So guys that strike people out make the most money in the big leagues. Now, for everybody at home, I'll break this down because DJ just broke the game. Appreciate it. You know? <laughs> um, but basically, if you look at it, if you can name the guys and who they are, you can say, okay, um, you can say that uh, we'll go with David Price, Scherzer, Kershaw, um, Chris Sale, right? Those are your normal top fives. Now, why yep. are those five guys getting paid the most money? And obviously, DJ said strikeouts. But if you go look at their stats, it's not strikeouts per nine. It's strikeouts per inning is actually what you can look at because of domination well, per like inning. Scher- Scherzer had how many this year? 200 and. 20s uh let me look at it again i know he broke 300 but then he had that extra start so give me a second he had 
Did you I think it was turnovers? like, yeah, I did. Yeah, that's what it was. Sorry. Undercut him by 80. My bad. <laughs> yeah, it's so, stupid, you know? Um, yeah, let's see what we got here. Max Scherzer, MLB. I think it was like three. It was exactly 300. Yeah, so he was, he had 33 games. So so this is this is the Unreal. stupid part when you put it when you put it together, right? This is the the man was on a mission to do this. He's 34 years old. He's 33 games. He was 18 and seven. He had a two five or two five three ERA. But here's where the information that I like to see: 220 pitches, 220 innings, 300 strikeouts. The correlation to me for what I've seen, and I this is where I made this change, where I started just looking more into the numbers and the guys in the big leagues. If you strike out over one guy in inning, your ERA directly correlates to being lower. Absolutely, yeah. If you strike out even, your ERA is normally around the middle. And if you don't strike out as much as you have innings, then your ERA is higher. Yeah, we see it, guys in the minor leagues, like, why am I not getting promoted? Well, you had a 2.3 ERA, but your strikeouts are super low. That's not going to translate to the big leagues. That's not going to exactly. translate. You know, that's not going to translate to the, uh, a double A. You know, it's a big jump from low A or high A to double A. Yeah. You know, so, you know, why am I not getting promoted? Why didn't I get any love this year? You know, A, you don't throw hard enough, and B, you don't have enough strikeouts, even if you got guys out. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's, some, I, that's a correlation I see with that. That's actually one of the questions and the things when I'm working with these two, you know, the affiliated guy and the indie guy, this indie guy got it way quicker. And this guy, it just took a, a little bit more time for me to validate more stats and information because that's, he was never in that world, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so I just, I, once I got it through his head and then he talked to his people and then we had came back and had another conversation. He was like, okay, now it makes sense. Now I understand what you're saying. Like, yeah. He was like, I had too many constraints for things that he needed to do while he was pitching instead of what he should have been doing is doing what all the Dominican, Venezuelan, Mexican guys do is go out there. How fast can I throw this ball? Because the faster I throw a strike, the harder it is to hit. Exactly. And then how fast can I throw this slider that starts like a strike and ends up like a ball so you swing and miss at it? Yep. It's pretty easy. Pretty simple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like it, it seems just easier than you would want it to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. But in the same sense, when we have our two guys that like, they, it just doesn't click all the time, you know? Yeah. Yep. And it's yep. funny. This is why I get texts all the time. Like I don't, I will, I will work with a seven-year-old because if I can get that instilled in his head now, that's going to carry him so much further. You know yeah, what I mean? Mindset mentality. Exactly. You know, knowing, knowing you prepared more than the other guy across from you, either at the dish or on the mound, you know, you're going to win. I had a conversation about that the other day with one of my kids. I was like, hey, if you you're, you know you're working your butt off in the gym, you know, throwing balls, doing all this stuff you're supposed to be doing. You look at that, that hitter, there's no way he overprepared than you or more, he's more prepared than you. So that gives them a mental edge right there and more of a, you know, more of a swagger, more of – I hate the, you know, ego, but, you know, it's true. No, yeah. I think you have to have it. I think you have yeah. to be a pitcher. You have to lie to yourself and tell yourself, like I wrote it inside my hat and I had yeah. it in there and it said, you're the baddest man on the planet. Kill everything. And yeah. so like just having that phrase, I would look at it before on there and you just really have to like get into that mindset. And, you know, occasionally the Kyle Far Farnsworth of, of pitchers comes out with guys, you know what I mean? And yep. it, it happens, you get aggressive, but, as you get older, one thing that I learned is just 
as soon as the game's over, you can just, you can turn it off. You don't have to be the guy after the game. And that's where a lot of people get kind of offended on stuff with, with things like that. So it's just easier kind of to go through the situations with, with all of that. You know what I mean? Yep. Absolutely. So that's great. That's cool. So do you have any other, do you have any questions for me for anything or, or anything that you'd like to go over? What, I mean, what do you guys do? on a weekly for, for, for pitchers with the start. Right. Um, so what do you do with say a guy's throwing Friday on a five day rot- or a seven day rotation in college or something like that? So what, you know, how's, how it is, how do you line up your lifts? How do you line up? You know, this is something that I'm always going back and forth with on, you know, day after they, they pitch, you know, what do they do throwing and lifting? What do they do the next three, you know, five, six days after yeah. that? Yeah. So, uh, myself personally, I had a, um, create my last, like the highest level that I played was crazy because I was uh, the closer for a month. We got our closer back and I turned in the eighth inning guy for a couple of weeks. And then they had me start for six starts. And then I went back to the closing role because our closer had to go back to affiliated. It was just crazy. Right. So in that whole season, I think I led the league in appearances and still had like 85 innings as a reliever slash starter. Um, and so what, what the cool thing was about that is I had to adapt my own lifting, my own throwing, my recovery and everything from there. So if, if I take myself, I say would your, probably say even – Say your starter. What's, what yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. Like the way I would do it to the way I would recommend the, like some of my clients do it would probably be a little bit different because I know how much am I throwing and what I can do. But I'll just summarize it real quick. Um, I have I like to work on a, a three-day rule of throwing. I like, we'll start with the throwing. My first day, max effort, whatever. It could be an outing. Let's say I started, right? The next day is going to be a 20% throw day where I'm going to do all my bands, all my recovery stuff that I do every day. I'm going to do my weighted ball throws at low intent. I'm going to let it out. And then I'm going to play catch, catch, play, throw, whatever you call it. I'm not going to go beyond 60, maybe 70 feet, but I'm not really worried about it. But I'm going to have a nice, easy arc on the ball for as much as I can, even though I know it sucks. That's the thing. Like That's the key the very next day of just low intent. What I think you said a term earlier, uh, submaximal, submaximal throwing, which means below max effort for all of us normal speaking humans. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, And and so I'll just do that until I feel good. And I found that the concept of that, of that I've, you know, picked up off of some power lifters where they were explaining, Hey, when you crush your deadlift or your squat, and this is, I've been doing this for years now, the same thing. And you can help me with this. Um, the very next day you go under 50% or whatever, just to try to get everything loosened up to start your recovery process even better. So I kind of adapted that through my whole program and I felt like it kept me the most healthy. So I'll go 20% throwing with recovery sprints and agility work. And then I'll come into the gym and then I don't like to go fully heavy because especially if I really got after it, I don't feel like my body's recovered enough to really hit a super heavy lift. So I'll hit a, you know, a full body medium plus lift, like I was telling you earlier to, and, and, I'll, and I'll just do all the main things that, that I did. You know, I'll probably do some mobilities and then I'll do some hip thrusters, some step back lunges, some one-armed cable flies, some tricep extensions, some anti-rotations with some landmine stuff. Um, let's see, what else would I do? 
Uh, I'll even mix in some bicep curls, some rows. Like I just want to hit everything in my full body to get a little fatigue on everything to start that process. Yep. And if I if I feel well the following day, then I'll do a heavy squat, heavy deadlift, heavy thruster, you know, um, situation and, and, and just try to push my body for what I can. And then I will work down from there and break it into to push pull days for two days. Um, so I get basically four days of lifting in and then two days of mobility and then your typical nice, easy accessory work with your your Job's shoulder complex, stability, you know, working some other things, going into uh, the next start with increasing my throwing back up too. Nice. Yep. Is that a, is that, is that approved? Do I get approval yeah. on that? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I have, th- you know, different situations with guys, obviously. Um, so we look at it as uh, – max intent day and then kind of a light day and then an off day right they're hard medium light so uh day after day of the game last thing you want to do is is lift right after you throw it's like you running a marathon and then having to run again to cool down yeah you know, it's just not gonna be healthy for you uh the next day we'll play light catch just to get loosened up get some good feel um you know maybe do some sprint work after that and then the next day we'll throw long toss. So long toss to us is a harder day. So we'll lift, we'll lift that day. That'll be our heaviest day of the week. Um, total body lift. And then we'll go another lighter day where we're going to do just, you know, mobility catch play again. And then we'll go to a bullpen. The day of the bullpen we'll lift again. Cause that's a hard day. So we're not match. You know, I learned this kind of when I was at LSU too, we talked about it and I kind of confirmed what I was thinking. So I talked to Travis, their strength guy about what, how they program it. And then, Kind of, we had a, a little bit um, disagreements on when we're lifting heavy before our start, um, whether it's going to be the bullpen day or the day before the start. So it 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 varies. It varies. So what were you? What were you, by the way? Uh, I would rather have us lift heavy the day before the start. Really? Honestly, um, because if if they can't lift heavy the day before the start, they're not going to, you know, they didn't adapt to the program correctly. And that means my training sucked, right? If they're sore and they're fatigued, they're tired, you know, they should be able to lift on, you know, lift on game day. Yeah. Um, you know, if they needed to be, um, but I don't want them to go max intent, intent bullpen and then lift again. And then there's their shot for their, their session two days later, Yeah. you know? So we kind of split that up a little bit. Um, Travis <clears throat> thought, he, you know, it would be, smart to do two hard days or two, two hard things on the same day. Um, which made sense to me too. That's why I brought that question up. So I'm, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm indifferent on it. It depends on the yeah. guy. I'm going to let the guy determine what they want to do. Yeah. So, back in, in college, when I was a junior college, one of the things that always intrigued me about our lifting program is sometimes when we would have a, a bullpen day, we would actually throw, or we would lift in the morning at like seven, yeah. seven ish, but then we throw our bullpens at one thirty, and yeah. I never felt like I was tired that day. It was yeah. always the next day that I was. Yeah. So when I went both days like that, that was something that w- really intrigued me for what, you know, doing now, when I did it after, if I did it within the same throwing period of the structure right there, I noticed that the performance was never, I was never locating where I needed, never, you know, executing what I could do, but if there was a gap, if I, my body had three or four hours to recover and then yeah. go into it, you know, that was something that, that it's made it. The rate of perceived, perceived exertion on that, right. It's just super high um, on a two day, on a day or two before you need to be a hundred percent. Right. So 
you know, we're going off of a two or three day lift schedule during the season. Um, you know, usually our guys consistently lift three, some guys, you know, have to lift two depending on where they're at, what they're doing. So, you know, the three day a week, you know, we'll, we'll lift after the game on say they start Friday, we'll lift on Sunday, then we'll hit it again on Tuesday and then we'll hit it again on Thursday. So, and then the guys that don't have the three day lifts are going to be a, a Sunday and maybe a, a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday. That's where, you know, kind of spreading it out a little bit where, yeah. you know, they're not going to be overly sore. Um, if they're doing the right sets and rep schemes, if they're going to be doing the right um, velocity based training work, if they you know, we can monitor all that stuff with, you know, their, their bar speed output and all that kind of stuff and making sure they're not getting torched and toast and whatnot, you know, the day before their game. So it's, you know, managing those levels, managing their rest and recovery, their stress, all that kind of stuff also plays in the, you know, the big piece in it too. Sounds like you're trying to educate and fight the fight like I am for sure. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely. cool. All right, man. Well, I don't want to keep you for too much more. I meet, I appreciate your time. You know, absolutely. we've been going for a little bit of an hour. This was great. I I could, you could tell that I could probably tell <laughs> too when we were going through our group and our chat and everything. Like, this is going to be a fun one. I, yeah. you know, it seems like you get it just like everybody else in the group. And, appreciate you know, I, I can't wait to kind of get that. I just got to do a couple more. I, I tried to do the round table thing. There's a couple more things that I need to set up with that, but I'm excited about it to yeah, get it because, because, you know, if we can get, I, I, the idea that I have is I think if all, everybody if it's three four six if we all bring one or two questions with us into the group yeah then it gets a nice little debate going with everything and and absolutely i can kind of control cameras and stuff right there it's gonna i think it's gonna be phenomenal because basically it would like be it would be like doing the the uh, abca convention but in yep. you know without having to get everybody together and i think yeah. that's just tremendous for the just in one year of really grinding and working on my business and then you know being online being a little more you know active with everything i'm already seeing just in general a lot more posts that make sense to baseball players i'm not Absolutely. seeing so many ground balls and hitting posts i'm seeing you know little johnny it's not little johnny little johnny's getting jacked and little yep. johnny's in there doing some yep. deadlifts <laughs> yep. doing some sled pushes throwing some med balls, trying to become a better, stronger yep. athlete, yep. you know, and it sounds like your philosophy is just like mine and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're definitely train less, play more yep. um, in order to get where you need to go. Yeah, and, and I think training's skill development too, right? So it's, exactly. That's why yeah, I feel the same just, thing. It's not just the weight room, right? So people, you know, it's one thing people rip on me about. And it's like, oh, train, train more, play more. Like, no, it's train more on skill development. Yes train more in the weight room, train more to get prepared for your games. Right. Yeah. So develop into somebody that wants to be, you know, everybody wants to come see versus, you know, you spending thousands of dollars on stuff going out. So totally, totally agree. The, the training does mean skill. It, it means skill, like, yep. like become, it's not just become, weightlifting. Yeah, exactly. Become or become better at picks. Become. A, yeah. I always tell everybody now, like there's there's been a big fight and some things that happened, and I'm sure you deal with it over there with you too. But absolutely, um, because we're in San Diego and we can be outside all the time and practice all the time. Practice normally dominates training. Yeah, and I've you know really helped educate a lot of my clients and telling the parents like just go to practice and count the reps that your kid gets. Yep. If he was doing a one on one practice would he get that same amount of reps or would he get five times the amount 
You know, I mean, is he yep. getting 10 and ground are, balls are running? They good, are they good reps? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Like, are yeah. So. Is, did he foul off eight balls and then they told him to get, you know, rotate through? Or, yeah. you know, did he, did the ground, did, did he miss six ground balls? And they said, all right, that's enough. You know, yep. like there wasn't, yep. you know, just going out there and blindly running a practice because whatever plan that you have for whatever little league, I never feel like it's an efficient way to do it. And I'm starting to like, cause a problem by empowering the parents and be like, look, you have control of this. You do not have to go to five practices a week as a 12 year old. You know, you should, if it's me, if, 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 if I have an organization and there's a kid that's with me that wants to go get better somewhere else, but still play, I am totally okay with it. I think that the militarization of practices that we do with these parents where it's like, if you don't practice, you don't play like, I don't feel yeah. like that's efficient for a personal situation because yeah, baseball's had, such an individual I had, uh, game. I had a facility to say, tell our players if they train with us, they're not playing for them, <laughs> which is a joke. So, yeah, yeah, that's what the stuff I deal with. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. But, I hear you. All right, man. Well, hey, man, right. it's been awesome. We'll definitely get this going real quick. Don't forget, guys, check out Body Armor with the Focus Factor. I'm terrible with the lighting there. Focus Factor <laughs> here. Check this out. This is awesome. Volma Bats. You know it. All right. It's got some awesome stuff. Don't forget Flush Bands and then Shameless Plug. You can get this awesome sweatshirt on my website. I got shirts, everything you want on there. You can get all kinds of stuff. DJ, one last thing. You want to say anything to anybody? Oh, man, appreciate it for having me. No, it was great, man. It really was. I appreciate, you know, you just keep pumping out that good content and just giving Thank me you. more ideas to, to get everything going from there. So <laughs> appreciate, appreciate I appreciate it. it. Guys, go follow him on social media, DJ Edwards, at Push Perform too, right, I think? Uh, DJ underscore Edwards 9, and then yeah. Push Perform CO. Push Perform CO. That's, yep. He's over in Colorado. If anybody's in Colorado looking for a facility, this is the guy right here. So appreciate I appreciate it, it man. Let All me know right, if you got anything else. We'll get together, definitely. Guys, one more thing. Don't forget, throw hard.